Welcome to Who Analyzed Roger Rabbit, the podcast that dissects Who Framed Roger Rabbit, with special guests Kestra and Andrew Dorowski. Welcome back to Who Analyzed Roger Rabbit. I'm Chris Blair. This is Annie McMullen. Hello. And we have back from Disney Animation Minutes Essentials, we have Andrew Dorowski. Hello. And Kestra Dorowski. Hello. Thanks so much for joining us again. You can check out their podcast too, by the way, also on Dueling Genre, highly recommended. We're here again with Minute 8, which begins with R.K. Maroon assuring Eddie he does not have to go into Toontown and ends with what I can only describe as a terrifying monster appearing in front of the screen. <laughs> it's, it's a big jump scare. <laughs> yeah. A significant the, sound. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm not sure what that's, that is supposed to be the sound of an elephant. Um, yeah. It is, it's just very high-pitched and demonic. We learn right off the bat, we were talking a bit last minute about how terribly cartoons are treated in this world. We get further evidence when R.K. Maroon mentions the Ink and Paint Club and says that it is humans only. Yikes. Uh, yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, it's not good stuff, but it, it, it's, I think it's just really, really sets up this world that people do not consider cartoon characters. I like, uh, Chris, I, I have to say that I think it's funny that you're particularly offended by them not letting them into this nightclub after we've just seen six minutes of physical violence committed to, <laughs> to cartoons, like nonstop, horrible, murdery violence. <laughs> yeah. I mean, basically, cartoons are stunt people. <laughs> yeah, the cartoons are basically stunt people. We're just gonna break them down. I mean, like, like, yeah, Roger Rabbit, it's, um, it's like uh, uh, Buster Keaton. You know, yeah, like he does all these stunts. He breaks every yeah. bone in his body. Or Jackie Chan, for a more modern reference. <laughs> <laughs> they do seem very fine with with all the uh, the physical stuff. Roger does hit himself a few times a couple minutes ago in the head with the sledgehammer. Roger is has like the worst Stockholm syndrome of <laughs> anyone because yeah. like Baby Herman's like I'm in charge here, and Robert Roger's like please, please. <laughs> Like, like, I could do stars. I could do stars. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, just beating himself up. Like, oh, it's sad. Roger's oh. sad. So I'm I'm looking into the minute and I got a clear look at Pistol Pack and Possum. And I just mm. realized that's the the like gun reflection yes. for for later. That's what the gun is like reflected on. Yes, um, yes. It's the gun from Pistol Pack and Possum. Oh. This is the huge conspiracy theory. We find out. Judge Doom later on is a is a tune. He, spoilers. Oh yeah, sorry, spoilers <laughs> for everyone watching watching one minute at a time. And we never actually see his face. Uh, we we get to see like his eyes. Um, so the theory because pistol is, pack wait and is the theory that he is pistol pack and possum. <laughs> yeah, that's one theory which I kind of love. <laughs> Um, that's why the gun lines up so well yeah the gun lines up perfectly he's got the same hat that um that doom is wearing uh, or at least a similar hat oh, to what he's wearing um and it kind of makes sense because Possum, possums could have red eyes yeah possums could totally have red eyes it makes like he's kind of the secondary character to roger and herman so i could see like a specific bitterness that he would feel towards roger rabbit it gives a little more mm -hmm. of the motivation he also has that really because, high squeaky voice. 
which could be possumy. Yeah. I could I I dig this theory. I think that makes a ton of sense. Actually, because like if they like why do they specifically need to frame Roger Rabbit? They just need to frame somebody for the murder. Yeah, it could have been. But maybe the possum is like, oh, if I'm gonna frame anybody, it's gonna be Roger. Yeah. Yeah. This this big star probably probably worked with Roger in a few productions, did not like Mm -hmm. him. It, I, I think I'm going to keep uh, looking at this theory as we go on and seeing how much this holds up that Judge Doom is actually a possum. Yeah, I think it's a good theory. Can we also talk about how the poster or the wall that this poster is hanging on is like a weird secret room wall yes. that rotates? Yeah, it, like, yeah, like, like why? the rotating wall? Why? <laughs> I, yeah. I bet that's based on real stuff. I bet that's based on real like studio executive producer office setups. So I, I live in a world where like, I understand wanting that. Cause it's like, cool. Right. Like you have a certain amount of money mm-hmm. and you're like, Oh, I want to pull a book out of a bookshelf and have a secret room open up in, in movie world. There are no scenarios where those rooms exist for anything other than very sinister reasons. He was like, he was like watching test footage basically Mm -hmm. and so they've got well and there's like two guys like wheeling stuff away they've got white gloves and everything because they're protecting the film but it does look very sinister actually now that now that you've put that into my head the white gloves (laughs) and these cleanup guys very suspicious seems like it should be more like a like a panic room but there's windows so uh which also makes no sense for it being a film storage room exactly right you don't want to film uh, store film in a room that you can let sunlight into. Yeah. 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 It does kind of show that he does want to be very close to the action. Cause like he seems like from a couple of minutes ago, he is micromanaging these films. Like he's looking yes. at them, like saying like, no, like wait till he gets to his feet and then hit him with the boulder. He wants to be in control of every little aspect of it. And that's a lot of that's a lot of control. Like yeah. like Walt was known for being pretty controlling, but he had a separate room at least to to do the screenings in. Yeah, he they had the the, the sweat the sweat box, box. but where like, they would review the test animation. Even but as as the studios as the studio grew, he became less and less involved in in stuff. He still had a say and he still wanted a say, but mm. he became less and less involved and in, and trusted the nine old men more to do the work. So it like yeah, it yeah. seems too controlling. I think this. I think it's like controlling as a power move. I think that's the point of having this is like I'm in charge. I have a folding door in like to and from my office for the film to be checked out yeah. regularly. When I say I want to see it, and I'm guessing he doesn't. I bet he doesn't do it to everything all the time. I bet he just like randomly picks stuff as as like a power move. Say I want to check it out. Uh, and then he always tells them to change stuff. Yeah, that was going to be my next question. Like, how much is he controlling? Is it everything or is it just Roger Rabbit? Or is it just this stuff or just this specific film? Or like what? He just wants everyone on edge. Yeah. Yeah, I, I could really right. see that. Yeah. I, I, I think it's everything too. Because like, it's not he, the extent to which he is, contr- he's trying to control Roger's personal life, right? Like he's trying to get Roger we talked about that last minute that there's a lot of different ways that he could potentially solve Roger's distraction problem. Uh, and he's mm-hmm. choosing the one where he no longer has a wife so that he can just be 
you know, hit by refrigerators all the time and not be distracted ever. Um, so I, I get the feeling also that he's like pretty controlling about everything. Also, I'm, I'm looking at like, I, now I'm viewing his office in the context of like, okay, this guy is doing power moves because this guy's clearly not super tall. And so he's got to do, you know, come compensatory things I'm trying to think of the word the adjective <laughs> yeah. form of compensate i think it's compensatory that was, things that works um, it. yeah um to to like create that power dynamic and his desk is on a step that's raised like two feet and then all yeah. the chairs in front of his desk are on the lower level yeah so when he invites Whoa. someone to sit down and he goes and stands behind his desk, he's automatically two feet up. He really wants, he, wow. really wants everyone to know, hey, I'm in charge. I'm the alpha here. You're not. So that, uh, is, that is a crazy, I love that move to to like have a raised yeah. form for the desk. Yeah. What it's a like, power It's move. a big desk and everything. But yeah, it's just two feet higher than everything else in the room. And, and maybe that's why he like kind of, he, he balks a little bit when Eddie walks up there to grab the the drink. Like Eddie's pushing the the boundaries a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, every other seat in the room is on the same level. And then there's this two foot rise to the desk. And then he's also got like six telephones on his desk. Yeah, yeah. I don't know why he needs six telephones on his desk. They're he... probably direct lines to call on fire people or something. <laughs> just so he can fire yeah, people. Yeah, I'm sure there's moment. like specifics, but it's still. Yeah. It's... I was just thinking in terms of like the pa- the power dynamic of his desk too and they don't show this because they never really show him like sitting at his desk very much but um the window is also behind his desk so he would be like perpetually backlit he would always be mm-hmm. like this like shadowy figure this two feet taller like, than you sitting up at this desk and everybody, he could see everyone else but they wouldn't be able to see him particularly well because the the office is he- bright otherwise yeah he really is a villain like he really <laughs> just wants that power <laughs> He's got these antique books um, on, you know, on the shelf near the liquor. He has like two liquor sections. He's got the one like directly behind his desk and he's got one like to the side of his desk. It's a setup. This is a, this is a great set. This, guys, this movie, I, I think it's like pretty good. I think he's a good job. <laughs> yeah. It's way more subtle than I would have thought it would be with some, like some touches of it. I mean, we haven't really talked. He's got like all the awards. I You never get a good look at them to see like mm-hmm. what kinds of awards they are, but there's, you know, dozens of them in the office. Yeah, I, I don't get why they're having that many awards for Pistol Packing Possum, but it's like, but by the way, can we just talk like Pistol Packing Possum existing as a cartoon that I can't really imagine. I know they have lots of guns in cartoons, but for some reason, the double barrel shotgun feels less menacing than a pistol. Yosemite Sam had revolvers that he like would he pop does. out of. He right. <laughs> but, but again, we're back to we're back to like, hey, listen, we don't care about Roger Rabbit. Let's talk about <laughs> how Yosemite also, Sam is the real villain. <laughs> it's, it's the real start of the show. But but also like with um, Elmer Fudd and Yosemite Sam, like they're not the main character, and it's not part of their title, right? It's, it's not <laughs> yes. Gun Toten Hunter. And <laughs> like. Pistol, pistol pack and possum. I mean, like, this is very forward, like, gun forward with the possum. And he's wearing that, like, mobster suit, right? He's got, like, the zoot suit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Although it looks like it's a yeah, and the, onesie. And the, like, the bowler hat. <laughs> like, it makes me think, like, it's he, like, pistol pack and possum is a villain. Like, he's not the hero kind of thing. Like, just the name of it just mm-hmm. sounds more villainous than 
Bugs Bunny does. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> very, yeah, very like, dark I just cartoon. have no idea. Like, what is, like, what's the gag in Pistol Pack and Possum? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think it's just that he's a possum. That, that's a gangster. Or maybe he just, co- he like falls down from branches and shoots people. <laughs> okay, so you think he's kind of like a goof like Roger too, where like he, like Pistol po- Pack and Possum is maybe falling down, accidentally shooting himself in different scenarios. <laughs> I, I was thinking he, like it, it, it is some sort of like crime-based, but he never really like Salt makes, it? he never, he never actually finishes the crime. Oh yeah. So, mm-hmm. so like he is a robber but he always loses like the um like the big bad wolf in mm-hmm. and three little pigs kind of stuff you know the yeah. big bad wolf loses in those cartoons yeah yeah i wonder who his arch nemesis is that he's always trying to get but never can quite do it see natural enemy of a possum natural enemy of possum i, I don't know <laughs> i don't know what yeah, I, natural daylight. Enemy of possum? <laughs> man daylight. Yeah. actually i saw a possum like up close one time by a dumpster it it scared the heck out of me Oh, freaked gross. me out. Did it hiss it's like, at you? No, it just looked at me. I was like, this thing is scary. Cause it's like it's like a little bit bigger than a cat, but without standing up on the legs. And so you think there's just a cat lying there. And then you realize like, nope, that thing's ready. That thing's good to go. It's like <laughs> on its legs. Yeah, um, they are terrifying. It was, yeah, it was like up high on the edge of a fence, like a cat does. And it was near a dumpster. And I was like getting out of a car. And I like saw it out of the corner of my eye. It was like, oh, there's a cat. And then I looked and it's creepy possum face. It was stared scary. at me. And I was very uncomfortable. And our kids were right there. I know. Like I had kids with like, me. We didn't want to get out of the car. <laughs> like back up, everybody. I mean, a possum. I, I, I pointed it out to you. Yeah. The, I was the well, first they, one that saw it. I was like, is that a possum? <laughs> they look like the things in in um the Princess, Princess Bride. Bride. Yeah. yeah, yeah, they look just R O U S. Yeah, runs of a new. And they're not size. a ton. Mm. They're not as much smaller than an R U O U S as I want it to be. No, no, they're not. They're yeah. like a like a cat rat. Mm-hmm. You know, they're like yeah. bigger than a cat, kind of shaped like a rat. <laughs> the, the, I feel like they the fight like cats. So pale. Yeah, the face is so pale, and their face is so pointed that like it's it looks like it's coming at you. Yeah, yeah, they have that fleshy tail like a rat. You know, that just looks like mm-hmm. a long skin tube. Like they're not, mm-hmm. yeah. they're pretty creepy. Right. So take a, take how terrifying a possum is and now give it a pistol. It's, <laughs> it's, it's something a possum doesn't need. Very right? unnecessary. If the possum was trying to rob me unarmed, <laughs> it's good. Yeah. It, like it's, it's as intimidating as it can get. Now picture the possum in over the garden wall in the episode of the schoolhouse, oh. that's like that's the, not that's, that's a charming possum. That is that's a, a charming possum. That's a well mannered. I would be like that okay, possum's yeah. trying to better himself through education. Yeah, you go, you do it. But yeah, every, but every other possum, every other possum is like get out. No, it's just it's the worst. Shoot. I think I think the conclusion we're coming to here is that like possums aren't inherently like violent, but they certainly have the tools to be if mm. they want. They're, they're intimidating. And, and they look like they could be. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They, yeah they got a you bad look. A goofy movie did not help my, my <laughs> appreciation for possums either. Lester's <laughs> Possum Park Lester's also, possum Park. also oh. made them negative ratty characters. Yeah. yeah. Are we also in agreement that possums have resting gangster face? Yes. 
That's fair. Yeah. By the way, we have Eddie sitting at the desk while Maroon's talking to him. Eddie's just kind of zoning him out because he sees the uh, glass bottle of alcohol there um, and just goes right for it. I've never worked in that fancy of a place, so I've never actually seen the, like this kind of bottle where like they crystal pour the decanter, the crystal yeah. decanter, yeah, the crystal decanter, yeah. Um, like I'll see them like in Mad Men and and things like that, but never in in real life. A place so fancy that they take the alcohol out of a bottle and put it in another bottle, <laughs> yes. unlabeled. Yeah, Labor, labels are so gauche. You know, like, <laughs> can't just if, have those out. If you're going to have this good liquor, you're, you already can tell what it is. <laughs> yeah. Or you're not going to care and you're just going to take it no matter what. <laughs> you either know what it is or you're too afraid to ask. It might just be like the Safeway brand of alcohol that is just pouring in there and like, well, they're not going to see the label. I mean, if you're pouring the wine out of a box into a decanter, no one can tell. <laughs> <laughs> This is a smart move. So you never need to buy expensive drinks when you just have crystal decanters. Yes. Just, here's an idea. Just go buy an expensive crystal decanter. Or not even an expensive one. Just get a glass jar from, from your, <laughs> from your like local thrift shop. And then you can fill it up with whatever alcohol. Or, it, or not alcohol. Or not or, alcohol. Or, or it genuinely <laughs> looks like flat root beer. I, yes. Like, I, I I've seen enough alcohol in movies to say, I don't think I've seen any other alcohol that looked quite like this. By the way, who is, who is more rude? Is it RK Maroon for not offering Eddie a drink or is it Eddie for just helping himself to a drink? I think that depends very strongly on what time of day it is. Mm. And yeah. we don't know. I think it's, I think probably, it's morning. I, th- <laughs> I think it's probably Eddie just because of the situation they're in and like the conversation that's going on it does not seem like the kind of 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 conversation you would automatically offer alcohol to someone at i don't think rk maroon offers a lot of things to anybody that's true too (laughs) i don't think he does a lot of offering (laughs) that bottle is completely for himself yeah i don't even know if it is i think it's so that he it's maybe just so he looks withholding (laughs) and and eddie is just like testing the boundaries and pushing the limits he's like i'm gonna pour myself a drink and it doesn't seem i don't think that makes rk maroon any more angry than anything else that eddie's doing yeah yeah he's kind of fine comments on it so i i I think he i think he takes it in stride he's like all right eddie's eddie's you know standing up for himself this is part of the negotiation yeah yeah it's a bit of a power move he gets up on the the higher up portion to to go do this too Mm -hmm. yeah it definitely seems like eddie is setting up for some sort of power move here and this is when he starts getting really bold and makes his demand for uh his hundred bucks uh which of course everybody dying to know in 1947 uh hundred bucks today would be worth one thousand two hundred and forty dollars that's that's a lot of whiskey. Yeah, that's only, yeah, that's a lot of whiskey. Look, you know, um, pretty good but for it, I guess. It doesn't the one seem job. like it's. It it doesn't seem like enough for enough. RK Maroon to be upset about. Yes, yeah, it seems like something like like Eddie having trouble to like pay off his debts would be happy to get, but I think Maroon is very cheap. The, the yes. money that 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 Ro- that he was talking about with Roger about Roger Rabbit mm-hmm. that seems more reasonable to be upset about mm-hmm. but uh 
a hundred dollars then, which yeah, is now twelve hundred. Twelve hundred bucks to like it get it sorted seem... out. I granted, I've never hired a private detective to take pictures of my client's wife having an affair. <laughs> so good. I don't know what the going rate is. <laughs> yeah. I mean, maybe maybe that is a twelve hundred dollar job today. Yeah, it's a good question. If you're listening to this and you've if you've hired a detective or are a in, detective or are a detective, yeah, can you please list the going rates? I would love to know. I would assume For it's hourly affair investigation. Yeah, it's supposed to be like hourly plus expenses, right? Yeah, yeah it should be. Yeah, well, this is this is Eddie's play of just uh, well, I, I I think at this point they're pretty they're assuming that he's going to figure it out tonight just by going to this club it sounds like a pretty like straightforward deal but i do also think that rk maroon was fully prepared to pay a hundred dollars otherwise he would not have agreed to it like yeah yeah just a negotiating tactic yeah this is the part also too when when eddie takes the drink where rk maroon gets a totally new creepy face because he starts to try and be like nice to him and it is (laughs) so deranged yeah it does not work this is not an, um, an emotion or a feeling that that this man feels no it's new it, for it him. doesn't calm me to see him <laughs> try and be. yeah <laughs> it looks like it looks like his first day at smiling lessons like it's rough i was like when he when he like he raises his eyebrows and he tries to like open up his eyes wider and, and be like friendly it's like some of that skin looks like it's not supposed to see that much light it looks like it's not getting enough air like you're you're unwrinkling some wrinkles that don't get unwrinkled very often so it looks it it does look like something is unnatural about the expression well do you think he would have had the same reaction had he not really had the other intentions of just wanting eddie to be there and set the whole thing up to uh to to frame acme it actually it's almost, I don't know, like, is he protesting too much, like, so much that it's actually in danger of him not being able to, like, make this deal happen? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, is I, there a chance that Eddie walks out, he's like, hey, you don't want to pay it, but I think he's, no, I think it's pretty much just to be convincing, just to to say, like, make it clear mm-hmm. that, I, yeah, I think this is probably about right. Yeah, it's, it is, it is very tough to tell anything with that man. So he he then does offer him a drink, um, sits down, I guess, lets it, Eddie... It does not put me at ease, though. It's like, okay, wait, now he's offering me the drink. I don't want this drink now. <laughs> yeah, I guess kind of a power play on his part to call it out instead of just letting Eddie take it and not say anything about it. Okay, also, I, I did not see this until just, just this time looking at after you saying that. Eddie has a weird grin on his face when he like finishes pouring his drink and he turns towards the window. Yeah, yeah, like I won. Yeah, it's it's a very weird I won kind of face. Like it doesn't fit in with the rest of Eddie's character, it seems like. Yeah, yeah, I think that's the one thing that gave him satisfaction is he does not like Maroon and getting that hundred bucks from him when he was resisting and getting a free drink on top of that, he's he's got everything he wants at that minute. Yeah, it's kind of, kind of giddy in that moment. Yeah, I think it's in line with his, like, the lustful way he's looking at the whiskey prior to walking over there. Like, he's, like, he is making eyes at that decanter uh, in a way. I've got to assume this is better whiskey than he's usually drinking. Oh, 100%. Also, I'm assuming it's whiskey. 
it's brown alcohol yeah. so yeah I mean, yeah like there's a couple is. different brown liquors but like it's probably whiskey i yeah i would guess i would guess i i don't remember if it gets mentioned anywhere but eddie does seem like a whiskey guy i just think that's like the most likely brown alcohol right like that's like probably the number yeah. one brown alcohol in yeah. america i would say so I mean, I, I don't think he's doing like Jaeger yeah. drinks or anything. So yeah, because like like beers, beers too golden, and and warm warm clear. desk beer would be weird. Would be weird. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't think you put beer in a decanter anyway. That's a good. <laughs> can, I, can I have Can I have a shot glass full of your finest warm desk beer? <laughs> Our Cameroon just becomes more and more of a villain every every second. <laughs> Eddie. But, but what if it is actually beer? <laughs> <laughs> like a dark, uh, I don't know anything about beer, yeah, but I, I know that I, I know I, dark I, ones exist. Yeah, 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 I know there's, very there's little. Dark beers aren't IPAs sometimes dark? Great question. Yeah, <laughs> I just know they're bitter. <laughs> I think so, it's a um, stout. I think stouts are dark. Oh. Also, listeners, if anyone knows anything about beer, <laughs> please. about this kind we, of alcohol. There's yeah, so actually, many upset beer. people. If, about if you this. can identify this this dark liquor, <laughs> which genuinely I I can't not see it as just flat root beer. I'll yeah. I'll never be able to see it as anything but that. I think it's iced tea. Yeah, it probably it probably in real life it's probably iced tea. Whatever yeah. the whatever the prop masters are using for yeah fake liquor. I've done. Uh, I was in a production before where we had to. I had to drink a uh, mysterious brown liquor, and that was tea. You know there are there are rules about like the kinds of decanters too, like like oh. the like you use a specific shape one first. Yeah, kind you're of supposed to use specific things for for something. All right, real quick, I'm gonna I'm gonna look it up. What alcohol goes in a square decanter? Mm. I just know that one next to it to me looks like it's like a port. Or something or like some kind of brandy because it would it, it, i don't know why that one gives off like a sweet uh uh what's it called enriched uh mm-hmm. booze the yeah the, the round one yeah but it also looks dark yeah yeah like like a like a brandy okay i'm gonna i'm, I'm gonna continue research you guys keep going okay <laughs> okay <laughs> so eddie looks out his window and see some commotion something i did not notice at all until now we actually see our first disney character at this minute when eddie looks out the window bill the lizard from alice in wonderland is out there carrying a ladder he has a, a small part in alice i in thought wonderland. that lizard looked familiar yeah my favorite disney movie that movie did not come out until four years later but there was actually an explanation for all the cartoon characters that were in this movie that were in Disney productions or cartoons that weren't released till later, uh, what the background story is, they were around, they just haven't been discovered yet. I mean, so, if he was on screen talent, okay. they wouldn't be making him carry a ladder. That has okay. got to be the case. Because we'll, we'll see a few more of those, like the penguins in the bar were from Mary Poppins, which was also not released till later. We briefly get to see him. Uh, we hear some people making a commotion about not dropping something. I guess it's a large box which is dropped and then immediately a bunch of cartoon instruments come out of that box and start playing. They're they're musical chairs. They're chairs playing instruments. Oh, are they all chairs? Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh. 
That's and the a box joke. says musical chairs I didn't on it. <laughs> oh, <That's funny. laughs> I totally missed that. Okay, I was. I looking- probably wouldn't have made that connection unless the box said musical chairs. I just I don't want to take any undue credit here. They start playing. What's the song? Is it Dixie? I have it with captions on, <laughs> and it says uh, "Stars and Stripes Forever." Oh, okay, "Stars and Stripes Forever." Eddie kind of looks back, lulled into a full sense of security, and then a giant monster eye and squeal <laughs> appears on the screen. And it ends with a cliffhanger. I'm, I'm here with my research report. Yes. <laughs> I, I couldn't find anything specific about square decanters, but I was able to find, courtesy of uh, tipsygoose.com, the list of <laughs> spirits that you would put into a decanter. And so this can at least narrow it down a little bit. Whiskey, bourbon, scotch, vodka, tequila, gin, rum, brandy, and cognac. So what's going to be dark brown out of those could still be a handful of them. It's a lot of different options. Whiskey, rum, bourbon. It could be mostly all of them except for vodka. Yeah, whiskey. (laughs) Tequila is usually light. Yeah, gin, vodka, tequila. Those are are on the lighter side. Mm -hmm. Rum, brandy, cognac. Brandy's got like a reddish color, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's got, got kind of a reddish color. I, like, so we, we narrowed it down a tiny bit. <laughs> but I couldn't, <laughs> not vodka, I couldn't find anything. It must not be either. It's it's way too fancy for Google to give me a quick answer, or it's not really an answer at all. Like specifically, a square decanter. It doesn't seem to have a, a finely narrowed down uh, assignment. Stylistic choice. Yeah, stylistic. But I, choice. but everything I did see said. Hey, uh, if someone's using a decanter, it's just because they're trying to look fancy. Oh yeah, <laughs> there's, there's not really a like a legitimate reason to do it. Yeah, but no, that no was other a, reason. That was an immediate Google search. If someone knows better than me, if you have true expertise, I defer to you. Especially because you don't drink alcohol. Yes, I'm not a drinker <laughs> at all. So I really, I couldn't know less about this. So if you had a decanter, would you put root beer in it? I don't like root beer. Oh. I I would put cream soda in there. I love oh. cream soda. Yeah. Cream soda. That's a hot take. Cream soda is yeah. so good. Have you had, there's Dr. Pepper cream soda, Dr. Pepper and cream soda blend. And it's so good. That's, that's our jam. I lately. don't like Dr. Pepper. I love cream soda and I love, Do- love, love Dr. Dr. Pepper, Pepper cream, cream soda. soda. Uh, is this heard? something I buy or do I? Yeah. yeah. No, 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 no. Like it's in no, the can. Like they are producing it. Oh, huh. okay. I'm in. Have you heard, have you heard this theory that Dr. Pepper is just root beer and Coke mixed together? I've not. I thought the twenty. I mean, I, I I've seen the list of the twenty three flavors. So, uh, well, apparently that number is like if you add the flavors in root beer and Coke, it equals twenty three. <laughs> <laughs> and um, it's like I think it's two, it's two thirds of one and one third of the other. And like, uh, it was TikTok. So you know, take that for what it's worth. I love but... Coke, and I love root beer, but Dr Pepper is not my jam. But Dr. Pepper cream soda. I'm dying to try. Nah, that's a different question. <laughs> I've never even heard of that. Yeah, yeah. me neither. I'm, I'm so excited. Good. We've been digging it for over a year now. Oh, I can't wait to get this in my decanter. This is going to be awesome. <laughs> Just decant some Dr. Pepper cream soda. <laughs> yeah, then when people ask me if they can uh, have a drink, they're going to be in it for a surprise. Yeah, go ahead, have a drink. <laughs> like, what is this? <laughs> this is probably what why heck? Eddie was smiling. Why that? That's warm, flat Dr. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Pepper <laughs> cream soda. 
<laughs> right, uh, we have one more segment for this show. This is a segment we call Hypothetical Thursdays. Hypothetical Thursdays, join in on the fun. Hypothetical Thursday is where we pose a question and listeners respond and we read some of our favorite answers the following week. Last week, we asked the question, if you could replace one actor's entire filmography with Roger Rabbit's, in other words, Roger would play every single role that that actor ever did, who would it be? Darren, who said Roger Moore, and he said every cheesy 70s Bond flick needs some Roger Rabbit. Perfect answer. Mm, yeah. Yes. Yeah. I mean, like, it's perfect. Exactly. Spot on, Darren. Thank you. Yeah. Also because they just don't really care about Roger Moore, so, like, you mm. can have him. Yeah. Give me Roger. Give, give me Roger anything. Give me the Roger. rabbit. The other Roger. <laughs> Roger for a Roger. David says, replace Michael Scott in The Office with Roger Rabbit. Interesting. Yeah, and I do wonder, can you extend that to all of Steve Carell's filmography then? Uh, I'm thinking about it, and it's it's working for me. Oh my god, have you seen Foxcatcher? <laughs> with, that with Roger Rabbit well, is so disturbing. It does put together two of my sort of uh, like guilty pleasures in life, which are obviously my weird obsession with Who Framed Roger Rabbit and Channing Tatum. And then Jay says, either Michael Sheen or Rappaport. Sheen is a great comedian who often takes serious roles, which Roger could do. And I want to see that rabbit leg twitch post shark attack in Deep Blue Sea. <laughs> nope, Jay, I've got to say that is a horrific image but agreed completely. I would love to see that. Uh, listeners, you could participate in these. Uh, go to our Facebook group at Who Analyzed Roger Rabbit Listeners. And now for this week's question. The question this week, since we end on kind of a scary moment with a scary cartoon character, just asking who is the most terrifying cartoon character? In like drawn like the, the, the like they look scary or terrifying like I, I would say in if general the, you would be most scared to be around them if they were in real life if you were really encountering them like uh, in like in this movie I, I mean I so this is just a couple months ago Kestra and I were texting and I figured out like oh this is where some of my like fears are truly coming from um and actually it's related to Dumbo um but it's not Dumbo specifically in the Brave Little Toaster, there's oh, a nightmare yes. sequence where um, with the clown, a clown with a, a clown dressed as a yeah. fireman, uh, <laughs> and it's got like sharp teeth and stuff. It's like that. That's that's a pretty bad dude. Um, and and <laughs> yes. so I and, and I realized that um, clowns dressed as firemen, like scary clown dressed as firemen, that's like the scariest clown. <laughs> um, and, and part of it's because of Dumbo, because the clowns that are dressed as firemen in Dumbo do not help Dumbo. Yeah. They are not helpful. They don't put out the fire. They make things bad, and they try to embarrass him. And so it's bad. So so um, scary fireman clown from Brave Little Toaster is probably going to be my my bad cartoon, my hypothetical bad cartoon. Well, by the way, to. I got to say, I love that's such a specific fear, a fireman clown, but that it's dead on. They They are terrifying. Well, I have a, at least two clear examples from when I was yeah. a kid. Like, fireman, clown, bad. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't like clowns anyway. Like, No. If he sees a clown, he'll probably, like, punch it. I, I'm not that, like, blatantly aggressive. But if a clown tried to scare me, I probably would. Right. Or, or, or hurt me or the kids. 
Right. Will. Right. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> if the clown threatened, threatened in my vicinity, that yeah. clown's going down. I don't know for me. Uh, hmm. I'm going to go with Chernabog. I think Chernabog's pretty, oh, yes. pretty scary. From from Fantasia. From Fantasia. The most metal cartoon character ever. <laughs> oh, I've been trying to think about this since you said it. Um, I was trying to remember back if there was like when I was a kid, you know, something that really freaked me out. And I was, a I, I'm a very scared adult. So I was a very scared child. I used to sleep like under the covers, but then I'm kind of claustrophobic also. So I would stick my nose and mouth out so that I could still breathe. Um, so that's the <laughs> level of like wuss that I was as, <laughs> as a child. And I'd probably still do that as an adult, to be completely honest with you. Um, so probably just like any scary cartoon, just like any it, part of any thing that got a little bit scary would, I would lose my mind over. If, um, if you have any issues with the Uncanny Valley, can I offer you anything rotoscoped by Ralph Bakshi? Because that stuff has some unpleasant, oh. like, movement texture to it. Yeah, I don't like that stuff either. <laughs> I think. Yeah, Ralph, uh, Ralph Bakshi, uh, he did a, a bunch of animated stuff, but it was almost all rotoscoped. They had acting and then they traced over it. And so there's a weird way that the movement looks and he he did a lot of like creepy stuff with it specifically he did um he did some lord of the Rings stuff too um yeah and so there's like very unpleasant like weird zombie stuff from that have like the way they move it's like this feels unnatural for animation and for a person oh i just thought of something else that would uh like i don't like snakes and i don't like spiders so anything that uh like Jafar as a snake, or a Jaf- mm. or or I love that. Oh snake. yeah, I I would just. He's I, got such I, a like squishy texture. I don't like snakes, and I don't, I don't like, like spiders. So if either. there's like anything animated, what about the, Sir Sir Hiss from Robin Hood? Sir Hiss is like no, he's he's not threatening. Not threatening. No, he <laughs> doesn't Friendly scare you snake. when he's like no. when he's when he's twirling his tail and he's in a balloon and he's flying around. No, he doesn't. He's not threatening. But like anything like along those lines like ka ka is very scary even with winnie the pooh's voice <laughs> without winnie the pooh's voice <laughs> visually uh, scary visually audibly comforting yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I think i i am kind of like the uncanny valley stuff like the stuff that like i was always really scared by very bad special effects like like that uh <laughs> thing in peewee hermit and peewee's big adventure when the like face melting oh, guy you know like, what i'm talking about yeah yeah large march yeah that's the scary yeah. that, that was probably the scariest thing i ever saw there's also a, a scary clown dream sequence in that movie too well clowns are you know self-explanatorily scary <laughs> uh, well, i'll go my answer uh it's a little unconventional but i'm going with actually pete you know, sometimes known as pig leg pete Spec- pete the cat pete the cat yeah you know uh specifically in the disney disney christmas carol I'm going to say it's the Christmas yeah. Carol one where yeah. he's the ghost of yes. uh, future yet to come. Yeah. That's a, a, a creepy Pete. Yeah. He, creepy. I had would have reoccurring nightmares where he was following yeah. me around as that character and it was just terrifying. I, I back that up. That's a yeah, that's, that's a solid that's, choice. That's that's a good one. I don't like watching that Christmas Carol version because of that. Because yeah, the ending just like it was a little bit of anxiety building towards that ending. 
Uh, by the way, he's the longest Disney animated character, I believe, or longest living one, because he was around since the original Alice comedies, even even outlisting. Uh, yeah, so got some longevity to him. All right, so that was Hypothetical Thursday. Go ahead and join us on our Facebook page and let us know your answer to that question. Hypothetical Thursday, join in on the fun. So I think that's it for Minute 8. I want to thank Andrew and Kestra again for joining us. And go check out their podcast, which is also on Dueling Genre. Disney Animation Minutes Essentials. You can check out that and a whole bunch of other podcasts, movie by minute ones too, on DuelingGenre.com. Click on the link to support. And we will see you in a couple days for minute nine of Who Analyzed Roger Rabbit.